Hi, welcome to What Are We Doing, a podcast from The Highlander. In this episode, editor Lisa Gervais talks with Trevor Chalk about his vision for Minden Hills and his hopes for the community's future. So let's start out. I mean, a lot of people know you through the business, right? Obviously. Um, but I don't know. Have you, like, are you a Minden boy? I don't even know this. No, so I moved up here 17 years ago. Okay. And uh, when my son was born, I took a year off of work. I was in uh, tool and dye making in the city and uh, moved up here, fell in love with it, didn't want to go back. And I always did woodworking as a hobby. Mm. So I decided let's do something up here. If it works, then I'll stay. And if it doesn't, well, then I'll go back to tool and die making. And here we are 15, 16 years later, and uh, we have a pretty vibrant, successful business going. Uh, we're now the largest cabinet shop in the whole county. Um, so it's, it's, it's done well, right? But what I found was the the success, it really hinged on the community support behind me and, and the members of our team. That's the only way we can make it work. So what makes a businessman, a successful businessman, who's really, you know, quite well known, what makes him decide I'm going to run for council? Uh, originally, you know, I mean, the business is at a point now where, you know, it, it's working, it's pretty steady, it's pretty consistent. You know, I, I don't work as many hours as I used to. I do want to grow the company. I do want to see other people grow within the community. And, you know, right now we're at a time, you know, just kind of in the aftermaths of COVID, you know, where people are looking for leadership, they're looking for accountability, and more importantly, they're looking for hope. Okay. So I had a decision to make where do I, what, what can I do for the community? Right, because I've always been focused on the community, right? And I thought, okay, well, I could join the volunteer firefighting. Uh, I'm not getting any younger for that, though. Uh, as much as I, I do have, I do have a, a very high interest in it. Um, so I thought, you know what, I, I can run for council because I want to see positive change for people. I want to see some vision. I want to see some forward thinking. Okay, and. Originally, when I was going to put my name in, it was going to be for Ward 1 or Councillor at Large, okay? So by the time I was ready to kind of say, yes, I'm doing this after a bit of research and, you know, time commitments and, and kind of making sure that I'm going to be able to serve properly, okay, not just wishful thinking, um, I decided, okay, there was enough candidates in Ward 1 and I would go for Councillor at Large because I'm not a fan of amalgamation, or not amalgamation, uh, act, acclamation, right? Um, people do need a choice, right? You know, uh, I don't want to see, you know, in, across Ontario right now, uh, uh, acclamations are up 20%. Okay. It's getting more and more, right? Which I understand. I mean, a lot of people say, why do you want that job? Well, if people don't take that job, what happens, right? If people don't put their name forward, what happens? Right. And that's kind of what I was asking myself. Am I okay with just letting another term go or can I have a voice okay and that's why I decided to run you know I talked with my family I even talked with the staff here like what do you think right you know uh, because I'm a team player okay I don't like to just solely make decisions because I think I know all the answers I don't operate like that and that's why the success of the company is crucial right it's a team it's not me yes I, I lead but I empower other people around me. And that's what makes it work. Okay. 
I don't want to see it where, you know, not much or, or stagnant or little growth is, is going to continue. Because my biggest fear is in the next five to 10 years, if we don't get on top of some of these topics right now and aggressively get on top of them, this area can be in severe trouble. Okay. What do you think uh, a business person would bring to your council? What What are the uh, qualities that are required to do what you do here that you think can kind of transport over to, to you know, sitting at a council table? So in, in business, you know, we, we have to understand people, okay? We have to understand financials. We also have to understand how to motivate people, okay? So my strengths are, is, is in problem solving, okay? Because starting a small business in Halliburton County, there's a lot of problem solving that needs to be done because it's not easy to have a business here, okay? We also have to learn how to work with people, both public and internal, okay? We have to support and develop individual growth, okay? We also have to understand marketing, Okay, if we're going to attract and retain workers for the county levels or municipal levels, how do we do this? How do we creatively find solutions to solve these problems? Okay, so there's a lot of inner inner skill sets that are developed during business. Okay, growing it, you know, wearing all the hats of the business, right from the working on the floor all the way up to CEO levels, for example. Okay, but most importantly, humility. There has to be humility, okay? Good leadership and humility. I just checked that we're still rolling here. And then I think the conversation is naturally leading towards these topics because you're talking about how, you know, we're, we could be in trouble the way we're sort of going. So let's go through these in kind of somewhat of an orderly fashion. And I'm going to add, which is tier labor jobs because I know you're going to have something to say about that. Um, so... Let's go through it. So what are your thoughts on um, amalgamation and how the service delivery review is going so far? So with amalgamation, I mean, I know it's a hot topic for many years, okay? In some ways, I'm for it, and in some ways, I'm not for it right now, okay? The reason why I say that is because in Halliburton County, there still is a very very distinct us versus them mindsets, you know, between different townships, between cottagers versus locals, okay? We have to really get on the same page in, in many aspects with that, but also the amount of work that needs to be done right now in the individual townships, we're not ready for it, okay? Do I believe amalgamation will save costs? Do I believe, you know, all of that stuff? Yes, but as business mindset, when you start grouping everything together, okay, you're going to have different leadership roles. You're going to have different policies, procedures within internal workings, okay, which is going to take many years to balance out what actually works, okay? It's no different when you see a larger company swallow up a, a small company, okay, and everything changes. And all the current staff that's been there 30 years are saying, this isn't the way it works. And the upper management is saying, well, this is the way it's going to. So there's going to be a lot of conflict there in the, in the early stages of it, okay? So I do believe eventually we will be in a position where it will be supported, but I do not believe that we're there yet. There's too much work to be done still. Perfect. How about the uh, 
Well, let's talk about health for a moment. Um, you know, the municipality has more of a role in health than a lot of people think. You know, it's the land ambulances deciding where they're going to go. Uh, one of the other kind of prickly issues that's coming up is a lot of people are talking about the hospital. Can we sustain both Minden and Halliburton? Um, so what's the future of that going to look like? What are your thoughts on, on what can be done from a municipal standpoint? So, again, it, it is a very delicate topic to talk about healthcare. okay? Um, I don't have a lot of personal experience with the administration end of things, okay? I can talk to you about, you know, personal experiences when we do attend the emergency room, okay, where the wait times are very, very much extended now, okay? There's a lot of, uh, you know, working challenges, I believe, okay? Mm -hmm. Staffing is a, is a critical thing. Housing is a critical thing because we can attract all the doctors and nurses and administration, uh, administrative staff, but if they have nowhere to live, okay, or there's no entertainment or nightlife aside from recreation, we might not re attract or retain these, these uh, skilled professionals, okay? So the topic of Minden and Halliburton each having their own hospital, okay, they're both very small hospitals. They try their best in, in trying to serve, but I am very concerned that in the next five to 10 years with the population growth keeping going, there's going to be major problems because it's going to be a quick patch up and then send you out. But leading into the emergency ambulance services, if you need to do triage here and send out, how are they going to get there? Okay. So when we look at all the emergency services, okay, not, not just the, the healthcare, but the whole inner workings are connected. Okay. Police, fire, ambulance, Okay, a lot of them are still underfunded, understaffed. They don't also have the proper working equipment in some cases to do their job effectively. Okay, so there's a lot of issues. Now, in the township end, again, we have to find creative ways to attract them. But remember, we're competing within the whole province for the same people. So how do we do that? How do we creatively attract and retain okay because a lot of people do come up to Halliburton County and they love it and a lot of people come up here and after a year or two they're like this isn't for me okay so how do we create a blend of culture of heritage and growth with different amenities okay because they want to go out for dinner past six o'clock they want to maybe go to a movie they want to maybe you know do different things but if we don't have those resources or amenities to help balance out the lifestyle, aside from just recreation, how do we do that? Okay. What are your thoughts on how we do that? So again, it's, it's business growth and development. Okay. But we also have to fix a labor shortage before we can fix a business shortage. Okay. You're not going to attract more business here if there's no workers. Right now, there's about 2,000 businesses in Halliburton County, and they have an average of two to four workers per business, okay? So if we want to have companies that, you know, light to medium industry, okay, which is also year-round, local, steady, good-paying economy, how do we attract that when there's no workers? How do we attract that when there's no industrial area in Minden, okay? If I wanted to have a 20,000-square-foot building, to grow our company, for example. Where do I put that? There's nowhere. Okay. No, I just I was just thinking about that because you know even Algonquin Highlands has one, certainly 
Halliburton has one and Highlands East. So where would you put it out here? Where's the land? That's something where I want to investigate, okay? Mm -hmm. Because in the official plan, they don't talk about any industrial areas, mm -hmm. okay? I want to inquire and find out what municipal lands are owned and what the municipality can do to develop and promote it, okay? If, if we can get more light to medium industry, then we also provide better paying jobs, okay? Like the living wage in Halliburton counties, you know, depending yeah, on who you talk to, right. 19 to $21 an hour, okay? But again, that's also discussed, you know, based on rent or this or that, like basic living. But the reality is, is we all know that that is still not enough. Ten years ago, you could do that. But we cannot do that anymore. We cannot have a majority of workforce in the minimum wage sectors. We cannot. Well, let's dovetail this conversation into housing because when I walked in the door, I mean, we're looking at rents. So yeah. what are your thoughts on what could be done I guess we'll start with Minden Hills being across the county because it's all interlinked. But what are your thoughts and what what could be done? What can be done? I mean, this is not just a problem in, in, in the county. It's all over Canada, these, these, mm -hmm. these sort of rents. So yeah. thoughts? So when we talk about affordable housing, okay, we also have to discuss what people's perception is on affordable, okay? Because what I think is affordable and what you think is affordable is going to be vastly different, mm -hmm. Okay. So we have to get that on the table first because you're going to have different tiers of affordability, okay? So we do need, you know, low-income low rental housing. We do. But we also need market rate affordable housing for workforce, okay, for seniors who maybe sold their, their home and they want to downsize because they can't, you know, deal with the maintenance of the properties anymore. There's just a lot of factors, Okay. So we have to clearly structure different levels of affordability housing, okay? And what I mean by that is we can, we can go after, you know, large-scale, you know, 40, 50-unit apartment buildings. <clears throat> but from my experience in the building industry, these are very complicated, complex structures, which take years to go back and forth and back and forth to find out and solve all the, the questions that come up. Or... We can look at our bylaws and allow multi-residential in smaller scale. We can allow individual homeowners to create apartments in their, in their homes. Okay. We can look at the bylaws that can allow it, providing that the building code and laws are all followed, of course. We can allow duplex construction. We can allow triplex construction. Smaller scale units, which can go up faster. Okay. So we can look at the government end and say, well, yes, we're going to do these big buildings because that's how we do it for low-income housing. Okay. But we also need to do other things because we can't wait for three years for decisions to be made. And then at the end of it, the investors walk away because they're tired. Okay. We cannot have that anymore. We need to find faster solutions because we only have – a three to five year window to get this balanced out or you're going to have more and more people leave the area. Okay. Because they can go into an area that has transportation, bus systems, stuff like that, that are charging the same rents. Okay. Like in some areas, even on the business standpoint, the commercial rent in Halliburton County 
is much higher than what you would look at in Barry. Okay, so there's no balance anymore when it comes to income and affordability versus the costs, right? Ten years ago, you can you, you can work you know minimum wage or, or slightly above, and you can make by because you know you can buy a house for two hundred thousand. If the average house that's half decent is a half a million plus now, and the average rent is you know fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars a month, we don't have balance anymore, and that's concerning, because the citizens of the county and the townships are looking for the councils as leaders to help point them in the right direction and find solutions. We all know what the problems are. We got to stop talking about the problem. We got to start talking about how how are we getting these solutions in place. And a lot of people will say, and it's easy to say, you can blame COVID, you can blame the federal government, you can blame the provincial government, you can blame everybody. But um, your thoughts on sort of made in Halliburton solution to this? So, and I know it's tricky. It, it is tricky. I mean, you know, everyone's grappling with it right now. So we're, we're faced with, you know, a bottleneck of issues. Okay. Some that, you know, seem to be not addressed or not completed yet or need to be addressed. So anyone who is going into council this term is going to have a lot of work to do. Okay. And it's not a part-time job. Okay. We can't go into this thinking that, well, I'm going to spend one day a week and, you know, la-di-da, that is not going to work. There needs to be more commitment, more investment of time, more creative thinking, okay? And we have to attract and, and uh, attack certain aspects of all of it at one time. And that's where it gets extremely difficult. Yeah, exactly. Okay? I was just going to say the next topic is poverty and all of this right? stuff. Everything is intertwined. It's so Everything is right? intertwined. So where do you start? That's always the question, right? So we have to ask the question, we know where the problem is now. We have to ask the question is, where do we need to be in five years? Where do we need to be in 10 years? If we can discover and figure out what we need to do in order to create that vision, to make sure everyone in the communities are thriving, that's how you figure out the solutions. We need to identify the problem. We need to know where are we going, okay? But if you look at just the problem and say, okay, this is a solution, but you don't look five or ten years, you're going to have more problems, and you're going to have more reactive government as opposed to proactive government. And that is my, one of my biggest concerns why I want to run is because I'm a forward thinker. We cannot just look right in front of us and, and deal day to day. What do I need to do today? Right? We have to have a vision. Let's talk a little bit more about that, Trevor, and I'm just making sure that we're pretty much good. There's a couple environmental stuff. But when you talk about your vision, um, I'm curious to hear you know, where you see Minden Hills in, in five years or ten years and where you see the county in five or ten years. What's this place going to look like? Is it going to be similar to what we have now in terms of our values or, or is there going to be change? How do you, what do you see it as? So, again, it goes back down to balancing heritage with growth, okay? I have no intention of disrupting heritage at all. But as society is changing, mindsets are changing, new people coming into the area 
have different wishes. We have to balance everything as much as possible because we're going to be serving many different cultures now, many different mindsets. So we have to integrate and monitor the growth. But more importantly, we did a great job at attracting as a seniors residence area. We did a great job with tourism. Okay, the summers are booming. But a lot of people go broke in the winter. Okay, we cannot have the, well, this is just the way it's always been mindset anymore. We have to find creative ways to create year round stable economy. We need to attract and retain younger families. Because when you look at economics, younger families between the ages of, say, 25 and 45, they're the ones who spend the most annually on residual goods. So how do we get more money for workers? How do we get more money for, for the area? We need year-round employment. We cannot have it where, you know, we're, we're working for minimum wage or just above and then we get laid off all winter because there's nothing to do. We, no one can afford that anymore. Okay. The balance is shifted and it's out of our control. What do you, what types of businesses do you think would succeed? Is it, I mean, because we know right now a lot of it is, is like you said, the small businesses with two to four employees. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people working from home. Yeah. Um, you've talked about getting, you know, light to medium sort of uh, industrial. What would suit this area, do you think? Primarily right now. Because housing is the, the, the most critical factor, we need trades. We need contractors. We need fabricators. Skilled workers. We need all of these things. Okay, that's step one, right? If you look at a lot of areas that are heavier or in industry, they have better economies because they're also better paying jobs, okay? We cannot ever expect that people living on minimum wage year after year after year are going to be able to sustain themselves moving forward because it's going to take a long time to control the inflation, okay? It's not an overnight thing. It's a long process, okay? And my fear is it's never going to go back down to the way it was because once people start accepting it as a new normal and and people are still paying what they have to pay there's no reason for them to lower it okay it also leads me into well how do we get people out of poverty okay there's no daycare no affordable daycare there's a wait list in minden for over 100 kids okay we i i personally know a great deal of people who want to work and are fully able to work there's no daycare. How do we solve transportation issues when if you work on a lower tier pay scale, you cannot afford the high rents, the high heat, the high grocery prices and have a vehicle and insurance. It, it's not doable. How can we encourage people to come out of poverty if we can't get them trained, if we can't provide schooling? If they have to leave the area to go to school, there's a high probability they don't come back. 
do you think it's time, and other people have talked about this, I mean, you know, talking to Andy Toes and, and those guys, the, the home builders, and even Brett DeVolin, you know, why isn't Halliburton School of Art and Design diversifying becoming a skilled trade school? Because, you know, a lot of people are saying that is, that's such a better site than Peterborough for a lot of people. But then we have transportation, too. Just have to get these kids to school. Yes. So, <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on some of that stuff? Part of my platform is I'd love to look into the budgets, okay? Find all the gaps of waste within the township levels and refocus that money to provide to people for transportation and to help pay for their schooling, okay? If we do not assist people to better themselves and have the opportunity to do that, it's going to be extremely difficult to get them out of it. Okay. Yeah. Let's quickly pop into the environmental uh, envelope, and then we're going to come back and talk about specifically your concerns about Minden. And then I think we're pretty good. So um, thoughts on that shoreline preservation bylaw that they just passed? So they passed the draft, and I reviewed it. There's a lot of gaps. You know, my concern too is, and I know it's a very, how do you write a bylaw that has to support a very diverse situation, okay? The intent of the bylaw is just, in my opinion. Where I see the issue is, in the wording of the bylaw, there's a lot of gaps to the discretion of the director, okay? I also don't know who the director is. Is it the director of planning? It's not clearly identified. I think it's Steve Stone. Okay. But it's not clearly identified. Yeah. Okay. In In a legal bylaw document, it should be a lot more clear. There's a lot of areas that is solely up to the discretion of the director. Okay. What I mean by that is the economic, social, or environmental well-being is at the discretion. Okay. So... Is what's good for one person not good for another because of the discretion? Okay. The other issue I have too is security deposits. Okay. So if you have to get major work done or want to do major work, that's going to cost fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. Again, it is up to the discretion of the director to impose or not impose a security deposit. Again, it's not clearly identified a structure, okay? So what that means is, is that if, if, if I'm a cottager or a landowner, a uh, year-round resident that's inherited a cottage, and I've been saving and saving and saving for that $50,000 to do that job, and then I go through the, you know, a permit process and approval, then I find out I need an additional $50,000 as a security deposit. Guess what? I can't do the work, Okay. Now, the other factor is it doesn't clearly identify once that security deposit's in place with the county, there's no interest accrued for that person's money. But in the event the county has to do work, okay, to fix or repair or or put back the way it was, and the county incurs those expenses to uh, replace it, you're paying interest on that money. So again, it seems one-sided where it's protecting a county 
The other issue I have is there's a lot of roads that are very close to the shoreline, okay, literally three feet near in the water. If the county or township levels have to do work on those lands that are within that 20 meter zone, in an emergency situation or a planned situation, they do not have to go through any permit approvals. But here's where the biggest problem is. There's no policy or process outlined to follow up with an inspection that has been done properly. Okay? Again, it comes back down to accountability. We cannot expect the public to have all the accountability, but we don't show accountability on our end. No, that's fair, Cole. Okay? Those are the main things that I see. What okay? about the, so what about short-term rentals? It looks like, I think they're going to meet again on the 26th of October, and they'll maybe not pass it, but they're getting close, right? So they really like this like big base model, so they're going to get you to register, then they're going to license you, and you're going to pay. Um thoughts so again my position is i'm for and i'm against and, and what i mean by that is the short-term rentals again they have to be clearly identified as is it a casual situation or is this a business okay if you're renting to a few friends here and there throughout the year and and they're not overloading capacity of the building or the septic systems or the parking allowances, I have no issues. But if it's a business where you're renting 50, 52 weeks a year, for example, and you're overloading with your occupancy because nobody can inspect it or monitor it or regulate it, the septic systems are getting overloaded, okay? There's not enough parking to support that amount of people. There's sometimes excessive noise disturbances, okay? So there's a lot of things. So if, you, if you're running it like a business, I get it, and I support that end. You're, you're, you know, you're running a thriving business. But businesses have to follow certain guidelines according to environmental and, and local laws, okay? So they should be going through licensing if you're running it as a business, you should be following certain restrictions because, for example, with this latest controversy on hot tubs, okay, here's a prime example. If an Airbnb has a hot tub, they're not regulated. So why is all the local resorts who are trying their best to follow every single regulation, they're only ones looked at? So there are gaps, okay? And I'm not against anybody who's trying to run an Airbnb to make money as an investment. I have nothing against that. But any business locally or anywhere has to adhere to guidelines. And they should because it protects people. It protects neighbors. It protects environment. Okay? So there should be something in place. And, you know, it, it's the same thing where the Airbnb market blew up in the last five years. Okay? And, of course, you know, then local governments and, and provincial and federal governments are slow to catch up, okay? So we can't wait any longer, though, right? And we also can't have another two or three years of discussions. We have to look at something sooner and find solutions that are fair. But clearly identifying it, is it a business or is it casual, okay? Okay. 
Perfect. Let's talk about Minion Hills. What uh, what's going on here? There's some challenges. I can pontificate on what they are, but I want to hear your opinion on what some of the challenges are here in Minion. So I've spoken with a, a great deal of people lately and you know there are a lot of issues, you know, from, from big to small. You know we like to talk about mainly mainly the big issues, okay? But there's a lot of little issues that then create huge problems, okay? One of the one of the simplest things that can be resolved that I've heard about six to eight times already is why are the washrooms in town locked? Why cannot why why do we not have public facility for events? One lady I met with at the Pride on the last day, she said to me, she said, if you can get working washrooms, you have my vote. Okay? Roads are a concern. Okay? Us versus them. You know, you have a lot of lakefront people that pay a lot of taxes. Their roads are falling apart. Okay? Scotch Line Road to the dumps falling apart. Waste management is an ongoing issue. Okay? You look at the downtown core. It needs improvement. It needs better vibrancy. Okay, we have a beautiful river that goes through our town. What's attracting people to the river? Okay, but while they're at the river, what else is there to do? Okay, so we have to look at you know probably two segments where we look at you know the downtown heritage. Okay, and. How do we improve the vibrancy, okay, the activity? If you roll through on a Friday evening at 6 o'clock, there's no one on the street, okay? And sometimes in the middle of the summer, okay? This is not healthy. We need to find better ways to attract people to the downtown core, okay, to support those businesses. We also need to look at different areas of Minden Township because there are some areas that I've also heard concern that, we're forgotten about, you know, we don't exist, right? I raise concerns, nobody gets back to me, right? There's concerns that people have about safety and well-being, right? The drug issues that are still very, very much alive, the homelessness that's very, very much alive. They're complaining about the lack of police force. But on average, there's only four to five officers on shift for the entire county at any given time. To my understanding, it's a very low percentage of the property taxes that go to the police services. Okay, So a lot of these things have to get looked at to support the growth, to support the safety and well-being. Okay? We're not just trying to identify the large problems and only fix those. There are a lot of little problems, little concerns. But they're big to the individual. And that's what we have to remember. Okay? What I have a concern with or what you have a concern with might be perceived as different value. But to the individual, that is a concern. And we can't dismiss those. We have to look at them. We have to address them. So we can't do it all. No. Because, you know, you, you, you're quite cognizant of what the county budget's like, what the Minden Hills budget is like. A lot of money is already earmarked and spent on ventures and whatever else. So what are your thoughts on how, I mean, how do you tackle it? You're not going to be able to take 
100 issues like you said no and figure it out so no. how do you prioritize and what do you think has to be prioritized so yes. it's my goal and wish for whoever gets into council is the first priority is to create that vision of where we need to be and then prioritize certain segments for rapid growth rapid repairs on, on concerns and then longer term things. Okay. Again, if there's no money, everybody says there's no money, there's no money, there's no money. And no one wants their taxes raised any more than Minden's already raised it in the last 10 years. Okay. We need to promote growth. We need to promote industry, more business, which pay more taxes. Okay. If we are just relying on the current situation of land use, if we're relying on the current condition of the business commercial aspect or industry aspect, you're not going to increase your tax base. You can't expect everybody who has already been here to keep paying more and more and more. Okay. We're in a situation where more has to come in in order for more to go out. Okay. But further to that, we have to be very cognizant of the waste, okay? If we get more efficient at what we do, and we also have a clear def definition of what we're supposed to do, we reduce waste, okay? So instead of trying to bring more tax in to solve the problem, we have to fix the problem internally. That's step one. Okay, we have to reduce waste. We have to reduce inefficiencies. We have to promote clarity. You can find money within that internal structure to then help fund the activities that need to be done to correct these problems. What else? I think we've talked about a lot. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think, we, I think we're there. How do you feel? Do you feel like you've gotten everything across that you wanted to get I across? feel good. Uh, let me just review some of my notes yeah. here. And then I'll take you outside for a photo. Yeah. Okay. You can also send me your notes because for the written story, like I said, um, if we tried to transcribe everything you just said, we'd have like four mm -hmm. pages of notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I will have sure. to condense it for this. Yeah. yeah. But they can listen to the whole tape and get everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, what I could probably do is just give you this copy, okay, because we did cover a lot of it. Um, yeah, I mean, you can talk forever, really. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you know, the format we're doing, you jump around because yeah. you, you'll say something, and, I'll, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, he's talking about visionary stuff, so we're going we're gonna to switch. When he's talking about this, we're going to switch. So yeah. for you, it might feel like it's a bit jumbled, but in my head, it's not jumbled. So I yeah. kind of know where we're going. And yeah, sure I, 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 think, the, the I think I think at the end of the day, Lisa, you know, what people need is leadership, accountability, and more is a hope. They need to feel that whoever they're choosing for counsel, they're going to have trust that they're serving the people. It's not self-serving. If you're going into that for being self-serving, don't bother. Right? No, because it's pretty pe thankless task. People are for, yeah. people are fed up. Yeah. Okay. And you can't blame them. Right? You know, a lot of people are struggling. 
what I noticed during COVID especially is the divide between, you know, the better well-to-do and, and poverty, that, that divide has increased, okay? Yeah. Increased to the point where it's dangerous, okay? And debt loads. Yeah. It, it's through the roof. Yeah. It's through the roof, yeah. okay? You know, people are complaining about our local gas situation, you know? Where they're 10, 20, 30 cents a liter different in the same day mm. from different areas. Mm. Okay. And you drive a big <clears throat> We're we're complaining about the grocery prices climbing in the wintertime. But when you look at the business standpoint of that, they have to. Because there's not enough year round economy. Yeah. yeah. Okay? So they have to raise their prices in order to balance, make sure they can pay everyone. So you know, what's the solution? We need more stability through the middle, okay? Because that stability, even, you know, seasonal and, and local, you know, that spread is getting bigger. We need to find something in the middle that helps kind of keep the balance, okay, until the natural levels of the other two start coming down to the middle, yeah. okay? Yeah. Because it's going to come to the point where, like, you look at Godfathers, okay? Mm -hmm. 20 plus year business right maybe not ever reopening so you're going to attract a lot of people to the area but then it's going to come to the point where who's going to serve you a cup of coffee yeah, exactly. who's going to fix your plumbing who's going to build your garage or more importantly okay. who's, who's going to change your adult diaper when you're 85 yeah. right yeah especially when you're we're in a situation where we don't have enough people here to serve the people here, okay? The average workforce age is between 55 and 63, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And I know that firsthand because that's the way our staff is set up too, Yeah. okay? So in five years, what's it gonna look like, okay? Yeah. Now, everyone was talking about the baby boomers, you know, and, and, and the average retirement you know, sequence was gonna be 2023 to 2030. Where you're going to have you know that seven year span of people retiring okay mm -hmm. what nobody's talking about is the amount of people that actually did retire during COVID. oh yeah, yeah. okay Huge. over four million canadians mm -hmm. that's 10 percent of the population not the workforce mm -hmm. then you had a lot of people that had to go self-employed or they did different things because they had no choice through all the shutdowns and lockdowns and you know so there's a massive shift and everyone's fighting for the same people, okay? I was at uh, Georgian College there a month ago in the cabinet-making program. So, huge facility. They had 20 people enroll. Out of that, only 12 people were at that event because five people dropped out, three couldn't be there. And I had 45 employers. I was going to say 45 tried okay? to get 12. 45 employers. Yeah. So I'm on the board for the Kitchen Cabinet Association of Canada, right? And these problems are everywhere across the country, right? And part of the issue is like, and I mean, I'm partially biased with the trades because I've been in the trades for 27 years, okay? But what I can guarantee you is I've never been out of a job, okay? There's so much opportunity within the trades, but we need to start changing what that tune is, okay? We need to, like when I speak at the high schools on entrepreneurship and trades, 
I say to everybody, you know, if I'm going to hire anyone for $30 an hour who wants a job, everyone puts their hand up. But then when I say you got to work seven to five every day, who wants the job? Nobody puts their hand up. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's so much opportunity and people who do go into their trades, especially today, can almost write their own paycheck. Mm -hmm. I've seen the same thing happen in the tool and die industry in the early 90s, mid 90s, where you can almost write your own paycheck. You can go company to company and demand whatever you wanted and they're going to pay it. Mm -hmm. Because of that shortage, okay? So anyone young, especially, or going into a second career, especially, look at the trades. Give it a whirl. You got nothing to lose. What Are We Doing is a podcast produced by Justin Van Leishout in partnership with The Highlander. Reporters working on this project include me, Sam Gillett, our editor, Lisa Gervais, and Mike Baker. Be sure to follow along as we cover candidates in your riding, as well as everyone running for election across Halliburton County. Music in this episode is from Kashaga, and our cover art is from Jason Yates, who can be found on Instagram at jy.inc. <laughs>